Monroe left her notes up here on the podium. And um, I can't tell what all the scribble is, but at the bottom, she said, you'll do great. So I'm going to take that. Whatever happens here tonight, you'll do great. It's right there. That's what it says. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> you thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? <clears throat> Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse number 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified both Lord and Christ. Both Lord and Christ. Everyone say Lord. Amen. Praise God. Lord and Christ. And that means something. There's a lot of richness that is encapsulated in what is being said right here. When you declare Jesus to be Lord, what does that mean? What does that mean? And so I want to look at that in the scripture. I think Peter, in his inaugural address and message, put in the platform of salvation that if he's not Lord in your life, you will not be saved. Praise God. I'm thankful for a new birth experience, but if Jesus is not Lord in your life, praise God, you're not going to make it. Praise God. So what does that mean? What did it mean for those first century Christians, and then what does it mean for us today? I want to preach for a few moments positive and imminent danger. Positive and imminent danger. Savior, we thank you and praise you for your goodness in the house of God tonight. I give to you thanks and praise you. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word, and I ask that you would direct us in the house of God tonight, from your word, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Praise God. God bless you, can be seated. When you were born again, anybody thankful for a new birth experience? Praise God. When you were born again, God destined you to have kingdom authority, which is given to you by Jesus Christ, our Lord. As a matter of fact, the world and your flesh and the devil should never have dominion over you because when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive empowerment, you receive power that gives you the ability to look at the world and say, I am more than a conqueror. You can also speak to your flesh and say to your flesh, you will not dominate me because the Holy Ghost on the inside of me gives me dominion. You'll be able to look at the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, and say to Satan, you will not dominate me or control me because I have the power of the Holy Ghost and God has given to me kingdom authority. Praise God. I'm thankful for a power and anointing. I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't be here if it was not for the power of the Holy Ghost. It brings energy. It brings life. It brings liberty. Now where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I want to be in a place where there's liberty. I don't want to feel restricted 
restricted and feel bound. I want to feel like there is freedom in the house of God. For the scripture said, he whom the son has set free is free indeed. Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 6 gives to us this kingdom authority. And he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. If God has given to us the ability to be described as kings and priests, he's given to us the ability to take dominion over things. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4. 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. By way of introduction in the house of God, I want to say as an apostolic Pentecostal child of God, you have the power to take dominion and you also have the ability to rise and triumph over difficulties that come in your life. I came into this place not having it all together. I came into this house with troubles and circumstances in my life. But the word of God says to me that if I've got the Holy Ghost, I should have dominion and I should triumph over everything that comes against me. Oh, I'm encouraging you in the house of God tonight. Praise God. You have opportunity to lift up your hands and say there have been a lot of things that would try to sidetrack me but I've got dominion and I will triumph because of God's goodness in my life hallelujah come on clap your hands unto the Lord and worship him and thank him thank you for kingdom authority Praise God. Having said that, we should not be under the circumstances. We should be over the circumstances. went over like a flock of dogs. I want to say it again. We should not live under the circumstances. We should live over the circumstances. There's going to be circumstances in our life, but they should dominate you and rule you, and you shouldn't be under the circumstances. You should be over the circumstances. You said, Pastor, you don't understand what they said, what they did. You don't understand how close they were and how disappointed I am. I understand all of those things because I've been there myself. People have disappointed me. Things have disappointed me. Circumstances have disappointed me, but I refuse in the house of God tonight to live under the circumstances and let that dictate and dominate me. I've got somebody that is greater, and his word says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You need to lift up your head and say, it's not over, it's not done, I'm not checking out, I'm not walking out, but I'm giving God praise. Woo! Praise God. Thank you, Sister Rachel, for standing. You've went through about a hundred applications and who knows how many interviews, but God finally opened a door for a job. You felt like you were under circumstances, but God blessed you, and you have the ability and the authority to say, if God be for me, who can be against me?
Praise God, praise God. Now I know tonight I need to make this very, very clear. I need to say this because I don't want to be offensive to anybody. I'm coming after you, but I'm not coming after you in a derogatory. I'm not coming after you in a negative way. I am trying to edify, lift you up, and encourage you that if you've got the Holy Ghost, you have kingdom authority. Praise God. You can speak to the circumstances and say, I'm riding over you. I am not living under you. The truth is, we'll never have authority over the things God has put us over until we submit to the authority God has placed us under. Jesus is over us. And therefore, I've got to submit to his authority. There is a submission that must take place. Kingdom authority is never given to rebels. If you rebel against the king, you'll never know his authority in your life because he's the king. And so therefore, he is the one that is directing me and guiding me. I'm not fighting him, and if I'm fighting him, then I am usurping my authority. I am a child of the king. Praise God. I am a son and a daughter of the king, and therefore, I must understand I've got to submit to Jesus. I've got to put down my own flesh and my own thinking and my own desires and submit to the one that died for me and invested in me. Praise God. Is anybody hearing what I'm preaching in this place here tonight? The world will say, you don't have to listen to that authority. But Jesus said, if you're going to be a child of the king, you got to submit to the power and the authority of the cross. Paul had to speak firmly to the Christians in Rome. They were arguing over non-essentials and he told them in Romans chapter 14 and verse number 7, for none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. What was happening here in the Roman church is they had comparative vision. One of the worst things we as Christians can do is get our eyes off of Jesus and start looking around us. I don't need to be looking at anybody else. I need to be looking at Jesus. Why? Because he is Lord. I don't need to be looking at my circumstances around me. Why? 
Why? Because Jesus is Lord. I'm not living this life because of what you necessarily think or don't think. I'm not comparing myself to you. That is a danger. What I am doing, I am looking to the author and to the finisher of my faith. Get your eyes off of everybody else. Get your eyes off of other circumstances and look to the one that is the Lord of the living and the dead. Well, praise God, praise God, praise God. I feel the spirit of the Lord in this place tonight. Do we have a commitment or do we surrender? Jesus died, Paul said to the Romans, and he rose again for you. And as Lord, he has absolute authority in your life. Many so-called Christians don't get this understanding and they remain in control. They'll sometimes say, and we might have even ourselves have said, I'm making a commitment. I'm going to make a commitment to pray or I'm making a commitment to read or I'm going to make a commitment to fast. But if you really examine that and think about that, who's in control of the commitment that you make? You're in control of it. That still leaves me in control of that. And what I need to do is surrender completely to Jesus Christ and give him full control. Amen. Praise God. I want to say it again. There are circumstances in life that, that, that you may feel like I'm out of control and everybody else is out of control, but I want you to know this. Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. You've gone through things and you've been disappointed, but Jesus is still the author and finisher of your faith. He's a sovereign God. So if I walk through some of those things, then God knows exactly where I am and what I'm doing walking through this valley, and I'm going to come out on the other end of it because Jesus is Lord, and therefore I know and understand I must submit myself to him. I've got to abdicate the throne because he is Lord and Christ. You want to control things? You got to get yourself off the throne and you got to put Jesus there and surrender to him and say, God, I give up control. Even understand any of this but I'm not the king I don't have the ability I don't have the authority I'm not sovereign but you are he's called Lord 747 times in the New Testament first Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19 gives to us the severity of this statement. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. You are under new management. He invested his blood, he put his name on you, his spirit is in you. You are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You have been legally transferred to Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth 
truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also that ye believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I want to directly speak to somebody that is in this place here tonight. You are under new management. When the Holy Ghost comes into your life, there is a cleaning of the house project that must take place because what did live there it's time for what did live there to be gone and Jesus comes in and he reigns as king and lord of your life I need to get rid of the envy I need to get rid of the jealousy I need to evict depression I need to remove bitterness I need to get things out of my life because what's coming into my life is joy and peace and power in the Holy Ghost. There has to be a submission. There should be no other king in your life. No one can serve two masters. Jesus will not be a part-time king with a duplex for a throne. Well, who's over there? Oh, that's Kevin Bradford. Well, who are you? I'm Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith. But he's over here trying to, to sit on the throne with me. Well, who's he? Well, he's just humanity. He's finite. Well, who are you? I'm sovereign and infinite. Well, what has he done? His righteousness is as filthy rags. Well, what are you? I'm the righteous judge judge and king that manifested myself in the flesh to die for him. Well then what is he doing? He's trying to rise up in his own power and his own might and his own ability and it's going to end up in a failure. You can't make it on your own. You may think you can but you can't. You can't do it on your own. You can't. If you could, you wouldn't need the Holy Ghost. The reason why you need the Holy Ghost is it's because you need the power that God brings and God gives. He must be Lord of all if he is to be Lord at all. I've got to give him complete possession of my life and complete submission of everything. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5 tells us he is Lord and because he is Lord he takes the preeminence. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father Peter in our text verse established lordship is central to salvation and there were warnings that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 not everyone that saith unto me Lord Lord shall enter in the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven Luke chapter 6 and verse 46 and why call you me Lord Lord and do not the things which I say to 
say he is Lord is packed with meaning. It is packed with power. It is packed with understanding. When you say he is Lord, you're saying I am surrendering everything in my life to him. I'm not wrestling about it. I'm not bargaining about it. I'm not fighting about it. I'm simply saying, Lord, you are everything in my life and I am surrendering everything to you. This is packed with meaning and it's positive and it it causes one to enter into imminent danger because to the Jewish mind, that meaning of Lord goes all the way back into the Old Testament. And of course, in the Old Testament, Lord is referring to Yahweh. Yahweh is the originator, the creator. He is everything. He has supreme authority. He is sovereign. He is the ruler over nature and everything else. He is Lord. And so to the Jewish mind, for Jesus to say that he is Lord, that's a messianic statement with kingship and authority. And this is one of the reasons why the Jews were always fighting with Jesus, because they were not about to submit to Jesus, because they didn't see him as Lord. They saw him as an actor. They saw him as a poet. And so they said to him, we have Abraham, our father. And Jesus said to them, yeah, but before Abraham was, I am. Praise God. Jesus was saying, I have the authority, the power, and the ability. This is why they fought with him. When the man was lowered down through the ceiling, he was born of four individuals. He was paralyzed. And Jesus looked at him and he said, your sins are forgiven you before he ever healed the man. They said, you don't have the authority or the power or the right to say to this man his sins are forgiven him because you're not God but they didn't know they were looking at God and Jesus does in fact have the power and the ability to forgive every sin praise God I don't care how high the sins are Jesus has the authority and the power through Calvary and the blood of Calvary it's still effective it's still powerful and it still works Thomas struggled with this. (laughs) He said, I won't believe until I see him and I put my hands in his wounds. Jesus came at midnight in John chapter 20 and verse number 25 or thereabouts. Jesus said, peace be unto you. And then said he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas said unto him, my Lord and my God. Thomas recognized Jesus was speaking from authority and kingship and power and ability. And although he may not have all the messianic understanding completely, at this moment he understood that this is God manifested in the flesh that was referred to in the beginning of John chapter 1 that we have followed. This, was, this saying was offensive to the Jews when you would say Jesus is Lord. This is one of the reasons why Peter, Peter had some uh, intestinal fortitude to step out to the crowd and preach a message, but he didn't water it down. He said, this Jesus whom you have crucified is both Lord and Christ. 
He is everything that you have been looking for. So no matter what the kind of, of uh, ability and the, the offense and obstacles that you're going to bring, he is still the Lord of everything. This was offensive to the Jews. Not only was it offensive to the Jews, it was offensive to the Romans in the first century. Rome was the dominating empire. This was politically, this was connected to the Caesars that expected to be called Lord. It was significant that the emphatic, insistent form of King of Kings and Lord of Lords comes out in the book of Revelation that John writes, in the age of Domitian, who demanded emperor worship, you could be asked, who is the Lord? And if you didn't respond correctly, your life could be at stake. Is it Caesar or is it Christ? And you had a decision that you would have to make as a first century Christian. Am I going to say Jesus is Lord or am I going to say Caesar is Lord? Those first century Christians that were on power with the Holy Ghost that recognized their very life was at stake and at danger knew that they were stepping into positive and imminent danger when they said Jesus is Lord would look at the influence of that empire and that power and that influence and say Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. We're not serving Caesar. We're not following Caesar. We're following the Lord. We're preaching a new birth experience. We're pressing forward in the gospel. We're impacting the world. You can kill us, but you can't kill the Lord. You can destroy us, but you can't destroy the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is why in Revelation chapter 17 and verse number 13, these have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast and these shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them for he is Lord of lords and king of kings and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. That meant something when Domitian, who was a tyrant, who was a pervert, who was evil, manifested demanded everybody to declare him as being Lord. John writes, banished to the island of Patmos. Domitian, you're going to have your reign. It's going to be short-lived. And you may destroy and persecute and kill people who are trusting in the Lord. But just know this. There is one that is greater than you are. And he is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. <laughs> Revelation 19 and verse number 11, John said, I saw heaven open. I saw a white horse and him that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. 
and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When you were baptized in Jesus' name, that name marked you as being under the authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want you to know something, saints of God. There is power in that name. It is not just another name. It's the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is fierce. He is powerful. He comes in blood that has been shed to wash and cleanse you. I'm thankful for the power that is in that name. I couldn't cleanse myself, but the name that was applied to my life when I went down in baptism in Jesus' name washed and cleansed me from every sin all the way back to the beginning. Hallelujah. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. Submission is essential to effectiveness and order. Who is this king? You might ask. Psalm 24 and verse number 7 says, Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be ye lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. I want you to know that you got somebody on your side that is the king of glory. He is strong in battle. He is mighty. Hallelujah. He has power and ability. Praise God. Anybody thankful that you're not fighting this fight by yourself? You're a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier, but the one that's leading me, hallelujah, comes forth with all power in his hand. No weapon formed against me shall prosper because of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. No beast can stand in the way of his ability and his power. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? You may feel like hell is arrayed against you, but I'm here to tell you there's a king. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands. I may be entering into positive and imminent danger, but I'm still going to declare Jesus is Lord. Somebody needs to let out a battle cry and say, Jesus is Lord. (laughs) Praise God. Thank you, Sister Mary. I'm trying. I would say I'm about to throw up my tonsils, but they've been taken out, so I don't know what's coming up. (sighs) Dr. S.M. Lockridge, born in 1913, passed away in 2000. I didn't know what S.M. meant. I found out. It stands for Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. (laughs) 
That's a pretty cool name. Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge. He was a bishop in Los Angeles. And he penned a sermon that was entitled, That's My King. I want to read just a few parts of it to you. He said, my king was born king. The Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. Are you thankful you know him in the house of God here tonight? Mm. I feel like bragging on the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. <laughs> Dr. Shadrach Meshach Lockridge said he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperial powerful. He's impartially merciful. He's thankful for the mercy of God. He's the son of God. He's the sinner savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august and he's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the core and necessity of spiritual religion. I'm thankful I serve the king of kings and the lord of lords. Huh? He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength to the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He's our guard and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the un unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. I want you to know that you serve a God that knows exactly what you go through because he himself has gone through every temptation. You are not on your own. You are underneath the authority of the king. You are a soldier in God's army, but God knows exactly where you are and what you go through. We need to lift our hands and thank the Lord that we do not serve a God that does not understand us, but he was tempted in all points like as we are yet he knew no sin he's the key of knowledge he's the wellspring of wisdom he's the doorway of deliverance he's the pathway of peace he's the roadway of righteousness he's the highway of holiness he's the gateway of glory he's the master of the mighty he's the captain of the conquerors he's the head of the heroes he's the leader of the legislators he's the overseer of the overcomers he's the governor of governors he's the prince of princes and he is the king of kings and he is the lord of lords 
His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I want to say emphatically here in the house of God tonight, I'm not serving God under duress. I'm not serving God because I have to. I'm not in this because it's, it's somebody to find it as a cult or something like that. I am in it because of the power and the authority and anointing of God. I am here because I want to be here. Nobody has forced me into this. Nobody's keeping me in this. If I wanted to leave, I would leave. But I'm here because I want to be here because I'm serving the king of kings. He's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible, he's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind, you can't get him off your hand, you can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. He has always been, and he always will be. He has no predecessor and he has no successor. There was nobody before him and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him and he's not going to resign because he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. Jesus is Lord. Now watch out, watch out, watch out. Because when you say Jesus is Lord, you're stepping into positive and imminent danger. Because there is a whole host that is arrayed against you. It's the Jews and it's the Romans in the first century, but in our day, it's a secular culture that has gone amuck and astray. And if you stand up for what you believe is right, they're going to come after you. You better understand that you're entering into positive and imminent danger when you say Jesus is Lord. Are you going to acquiesce? Are you going to fold up and walk away? Are you going to to be an apostolic Christian that is kind and is humble but simply says I can't agree with that I can't go that direction I don't believe that because Jesus is Lord he's Lord over every area of my life he's over every decision that I make Jesus is Lord I know it's dangerous but I'm still going to speak it whether I live or whether I die he's still Lord of the dead and the living Praise God. We need to make a confession that Jesus is Lord. You know what our problem is too many times? We're embarrassed about the God that we serve. My goodness, the God that you serve is the greatest thing known to humanity. You shouldn't put your head down. You shouldn't feel like you don't have a testimony. You got something great in your life. It's the God that 
you serve and when you say Jesus is Lord it should resonate among everybody by which you say it is anybody thankful that you serve a God that is faithful and just and true I may be in higher education I may be going to school but Jesus is Lord I may be on a job with a bunch of devils but Jesus is Lord I may be in a culture that is upside down but Jesus is Lord praise God we need to make a confession Saying Jesus is Lord is a step toward positive and imminent danger because one is saying Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. That confession, though, conquers Satan because it is by the word of their testimony that they overcome the enemy. Jesus is Lord and Satan is not. I don't live in the first century, so I can't say Caesar. And I'm not going to pick some political figure. I'm just going to simply say this. Jesus is Lord and Satan is not. You can raise up leaders that are that are awry and off the mark, but Jesus is Lord and you are not. You're the accuser of the brethren. You can try to do all that you want to do to destroy, rob, steal, but Jesus is Lord. I'm not giving you my mind. I'm not giving you my peace. I'm not giving you the joy that I have, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me then the world can't take it away you need to assert it you need to say it because it builds faith the stronger you grow when you say Jesus is Lord it separates you from the weakness of the world in times of joy Jesus is your source of joy so say Jesus is Lord in times of sadness and in sorrow maybe when someone dies and in grief remember that joy comes in the morning and Jesus is Lord both of the dead and the living. I may be sad about something, but Jesus is still Lord. In times of success, take the crown off of your head and say, Jesus is Lord. First Corinthians chapter Eight and verse number five as the musicians come. For there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many. But to us, there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in him. And one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. When I confess Jesus is Lord, it regulates my service. Is he Lord of your thoughts? Jesus is Lord. Is he Lord of your tongue? Jesus is Lord. Is he Lord of your temper? Jesus is Lord. Is he Lord of your time? Jesus is Lord. Is he Lord of your testimony? Jesus is Lord. Is he Lord of your finances? Jesus is Lord. Is he Lord of my holiness and separation? Jesus is Lord. Is he Lord of my relationships? Jesus is Lord. I'd rather 
be without and have Jesus be Lord that be in a relationship in which I am usurping authority and trying to be the king. That is fool's goal and you're going the wrong direction. I want Jesus to be Lord even if I have to suffer sometimes and sacrifice sometimes because I want to be in the will of God. Jesus is Lord of my direction. He's Lord of my calling. He's Lord of my vocation. He's Lord of my occupation. Praise God. He must be Lord if you're going to exercise kingdom authority. Your only decision is will you recognize his lordship and bow to him or not? Amen. When you continually face decisions, when you say, Jesus, I know I've said this a whole lot tonight, but I hope somehow you hear this ringing through your head for an eternity. I hope this message is not just a Tuesday night message that you forget about, but five years from now when you're fixing to make a decision, you hear pastors say, Jesus is When I say Jesus is Lord, I don't have to decide whether or not I'm going to lie, cheat, or steal. Because those decisions have already been made. Jesus is Lord over every area of my life. What I say, what I do, who I am, who I'm with. Praise God. You know why? I want kingdom authority. Praise God. I, I, I want to feel like I'm doing something. I'm, a, I'm sorry if I, I, I say that and then people come to me and say, stop saying you're sorry. But it needs to be said so that you understand where I'm coming from. There's something burning in my heart and life to do something for God. So anything I do, it's not to. Anybody here that's known my ministry in 12 years know that I don't browbeat people. I don't use the pulpit as a weapon to destroy people. Can I get a witness in this? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Can I get a witness? There may be times out of frustration I try to move the ball forward because I don't feel like we're where we need to be and we all need to be unified. But never do I try to destroy anybody and I won't because in my ministry, I am so humbled by my own failures and shortcomings that I'm always on the side of the underdog. That's just me. Everything I preach, everything is about you can make it, you can do it. Don't let the devil lie to you. Come on, get up. Though you fall, a righteous man falls, he gets up and he keeps moving forward. Because what's burning in me is I want to make a difference in the kingdom of God. I don't want to just sit and do nothing. God, you've got to help me. I need to declare that you are Lord so I'm not in conflict with you and I'm not fighting with you, but I'm doing something valuable in the kingdom of God. And it is the lie of the enemy and the devil himself to have you sit on a pew and think because of what things have happened in your life that you have no value and there's no way forward and you can't get out of where you are. Yes, you can. You know why? Because Jesus is Lord. Praise God. Authority isn't for rebels. 
you must come under the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ. It's not something that you have to fear. It's something that underneath his lordship is great power and security and safety and anointing. <laughs> Praise God. And every heart, there's a throne. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. I, I feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost in this place because you know what? When we elevate Jesus as Lord, we realize how insignificant we are. If self is on the throne, Christ is on the cross. Why not have a coronation service and say, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I am in submission to him. I am confessing him and I am crowning him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Praise God. One of these days, ladies and gentlemen, one of these days, the redeemed of all the ages will gather around his throne. Angels, principalities, and powers will bow before him and you will join the redeemed of the Lord and you will look at the one with nail prints in his hands and, and his feet and you will say, Jesus is Lord. Praise God. Amen. I think we need to step out of a pew tonight and walk to these altars and we need to declare that. We need to confess it. God, if I need to submit myself under your lordship for some things that I've been struggling with and fighting, help me, God, to completely submit to your lordship.